So tonight, we're going to look at, I entitled the sermon, Active Redemptive Relationships. But really, what we're going to do is we're going to go through and look at uh, how we can uh, really, I guess I'll just go through my notes instead of trying to jump ahead of my own notes. But if you want to start with a, par- a passage of Scripture, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and verses 23 through 25, we see that, that here in this passage... Uh, it's, it's a familiar passage. It's not a passage that we haven't heard before. Uh, Hebrews 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the, is the habit of some, but encouraging one another And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And really we see here that each, God desires that each member of the church not forsake one another. That we don't forsake each other. Uh, And then we also see in Galatians 6.1, we see, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. So we see in Scripture that there's the importance of each of us stimulating each other to love and good works, to stimulating each other to growing spiritually. Uh, We are not to forsake one another. We're to continue to encourage one another until the day that Christ returns. So there's not an end date to when we are to stop encouraging one another to live righteously. Jay Adams, which some of you uh, have heard, or I've read maybe even, said counseling therefore must be understood and conducted as a spiritual battle. The counselor must consider himself a soldier of Christ engaged in spiritual warfare when counseling. For that battle, the full armor of God alone is sufficient. And really what we're going to be looking at tonight is that really every single one of us are to be a biblical counselor. You know, Galatians 6.1 challenges the believer to not allow other believers to continue in sin unchecked. I think it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes, it can be difficult to, to go to a brother or sister in Christ who's struggling spiritually and to challenge them to live right. We get nervous about it, we, uh, but we shouldn't get nervous about it. If we truly love that person, as God calls us to love them, and we truly believe that scripture is authoritative in our lives, even in just a couple verses we've read already this evening, it's a responsibility of ours to help one another get through spiritual struggles in our lives. Walking through life with others is going to be messy, but it's nonetheless vital. Unfortunately, we, we often fall prey to the thinking that others' spiritual lives, our spiritual lives are private. We don't want people, we think that it's, it's something that, that's their own private life. Uh, I, it's not for me to step into their life and, and to, to start digging into their own spirit, their spiritual life. And, and you know, that's, that's, not for, that, that's not for me to do. If you look through Scripture, the one another passages and all throughout the New Testament, they're all about with one another. All the other passages of Scripture, we're to be provoking one another to love and good works. 
God clearly is teaching us in his word that our spiritual lives are not to be a locked storage unit, but rather an open garage that invites others to walk through our spiritual struggles with you. You know, it's not this idea, I'm not speaking of this idea of that we come to church with this long list of, here's my struggles, and we just air it all out and kind of are flippant about it. But we ought to be willing and humbling ourselves to allowing others to challenge us spiritually. At the same time, we need to be humbling ourselves to go to others and open ourselves and be willing to have our lives evaluated by others and, and, and to mesh together and share with one another where we are struggling spiritually and how to come alongside one another and, and to challenge one another in this way. We are not only too proud often to share our struggles, but also to insert ourselves, as I've just mentioned, into others' spiritual struggles. Hebrews 10.24 tells us to contemplate how we can stimulate others to love and good works. You take the time to ask God to give you wisdom in how to stimulate another brother or sister in Christ unto love and good works. How much time do you spend in prayer over that? How much time do you even spend in prayer just even asking God to give you an open door to interact with that individual and challenge that individual? Even if, you, even if it seems, maybe you go a month seeing someone and you're like, I'm not sure if they're really struggling with something, but it just I don't have a peace in it. I feel like I need to say something to them. I need to come alongside them and, and encourage them spiritually. Ask God for that open door where it just happens naturally. So we need to be involved in relationships that are driven by redemptive purpose. By desiring to see others grow in their sanctification and in victory over sin in their life. And so tonight we're going to walk through some practical helps in aiding our activity in our redemptive relationships. One commentator put it this way, counseling is part of the basic discipling ministry of the local church. And God's people can and should be trained to counsel effectively. And when I, when I think of there is an element of, of professional training that, that you can get, but I believe all of us, we just need God's word, ultimately. And God's going to give you the wisdom. And yes, are there certain situations that might need someone that's more adept and, and has studied a certain topic maybe a little bit more but that doesn't mean you can stop counseling. You have to stop counseling that person yourself. If you know God's word, if you know biblical truth, you can continue to be that person stimulating them to love and good works. Yes, you might need someone else to come alongside you and, and, and dig deeper into certain things. But someone look at what we are discussing this evening as just simply a formal setting. The term counseling a lot of times when we, we, we say that word, a lot of times we think automatically, probably, most of us in this room, think of some type of formal thing. Someone sitting across a desk or from the secular world laying on a couch. I don't know. <laughs> but counseling is something that all of us can do and should be doing. When counseling someone, it is important to encourage them to redirect their focus. That is set to their focus. It is, it is to set their focus on God first and then on those around them after that and then to order their lives in a way that is consistent with that. Sadly, much of the counseling people receive reinforces the counselee's focus on themselves. 
There's this idea in our society that it's, it's, it's this idea of trying to build up, rebuilding your self-esteem. See, multiple passages in the Bible encourage and command us to think of God and others and not to think more highly of ourselves. In fact, Proverbs warns of falling into destruction to the one who thinks of self more than others. See, the heart of biblical counsel and the heart of biblical admonishment ought to be directed as the psalmist states in Psalm 57, verse 5, Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. When we come to encourage one another and to stimulate one another to love and good works and to encourage one another to help restore others spiritually, it is to, for this purpose, it is to be thou exalted, O God. It's for God's exaltation. It's not for an opportunity for you to talk about, be able to say what you know about God's word. It's not there to show off what you know or what you don't know. It's for the glory of God. It's that Christ be magnified. A.W. Tozer said, There is logic behind God's preeminence. That place, is it, that place is his by every right in earth or heaven. While we take to ourselves the place that is his, the whole course of our lives is out of joint. Nothing will or can restore order until the hearts make the decision. God shall be exalted above. See, the key to people changing is living the counsel received from the Spirit of God, directed from the Word of God, to reveal the sinfulness of man and the righteousness of God. See, the Bible, John MacArthur said this, the Bible is not an encyclopedia of counseling topics that lists every particular counseling problem. But it does contain sufficient revelatory data to establish an effective worldview framework for the diagnosis and remedy of every soul problem. And we live in a world that is all about self-help and all this positive thinking, the, the power of positive thinking. But see, self-esteem simply blinds to the truth that man is not inherently good. Unfortunately, our world begins with thinking that we're actually basically good. The Bible tells us the complete opposite. We're depraved. See, our humanness and depraved nature defaults to selfish thinking. Newsweek once had this in one of their articles. Uh, said, American churches, which, which once did not shrink from calling their congregants wretches, have moved toward a more congenial view of human nature. Chastening sinners is considered counterproductive. It makes them feel worse about themselves. That's a secular news art magazine talking about the church. That's sad. That a secular news article, a very liberal one, is seeing that in the church. And so really tonight, our primary aim is that is just simply to provide helpful advice in helping others during their spiritual struggles. We need to be willing to come alongside one another and help each other spiritually. Are you willing to get your hands messy? And I would encourage you that if someone were to come and ask you how you're doing spiritually, don't shy away from being honest with and just being open with them. Saying, yeah, I do need some help. How are you doing? And you begin that conversation. See, the call of discipleship is that of encouraging and assisting others 
to grow in their relationship with God. The call of discipleship is that of encouraging and assisting others to grow in their relationship with God. And so I want to walk through five helpful tips, facts. I, I don't know how to, what word to use for them. I do want to give the, the main ideas here and a lot, of, a lot of the scripture that's been put together here uh, has been compiled when I was a counselor at Northland Christian Camp. Uh, this is during our pre-session training. Uh, many of the sessions that we went through, this is a lot of the material that we went through and how to help counsel teenagers, um, which is just bis- basically biblical principles on counseling one another. And so I want to walk through these uh, and, and look at some scripture tonight with the remaining time that we have. The first idea here is that we need to, when we come alongside someone, it's not coming alongside them just to make their life feel better. It's not coming alongside them and, and hopefully just giving them a band-aid on their lives so that they can make it through the next day. When we come alongside one another and we, we counsel one another, it's for the purpose of biblical change. See, to reclaim, one, one commentator said this, to reclaim the prodigal is well, but to save him from ever being a prodigal is better. If we can come alongside and help one another in our spiritual struggles and now, before it gets to where maybe there needs to be more intervention taking place. You know, as a pastor, they expect, you know, as a church pastor, they expect pastors to be doing counseling. You know how amazing it would be that if the church was doing this, the pastors never had to counsel? That the church people actually counseling, counsel, I mean, literally was doing this to where actually took a part of the pastoral job description away? And you say, well, well, that would be awesome. And I'm not speaking selfishly. That would be awesome. Because you know what that is a manifestation of? Us as a church family coming alongside one another and not putting up with sin. Not putting up with sin in anyone's life. Not giving anyone a pass. See, spiritual change is sourced in the work of Christ in us. See, Colossians 3.1, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. The verses I read this morning from 2 Peter verses 1, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Philippians 2.13, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You know what these verses encourage me about? As I come alongside someone for the purpose of spiritual change, that one, the power doesn't lie in me. It, it's not me who has to have the power. I don't, have, 
I don't have to have power to change anyone. The power is God. God encourages, I remember counseling at Northland. And I remember there was a, a young man who was a young boy. He was in junior high. I lucked out and always had junior high cabins. It was one of the most amazing things for two summers. But I love junior hires. <laughs> but I remember this kid was struggling with something. He came in with a lot of baggage. And Northland would always encourage us to do one-on-ones with the campers by Thursday, with all the kids in our cabin. And I remember sitting down with this kid, and he had a lot of issues. And I remember halfway through the week, he just wasn't responding to the word. He wasn't responding to anything I was saying. He got so upset that he went and locked himself in the bathroom in the cabin. And I was sitting outside that door, and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I mean, it's not like even the camp trains you on that one. What do you do when a camper locks himself in the bathroom? I don't know. I think he fell asleep in there. I think he thought he was going to outlast me and stay awake and get away with stuff. I don't know. What I found out on Friday, later on in Friday, was that this young man had been cutting himself at home. He didn't do it at camp, but he had been cutting himself. And I remember Saturday, as everyone's loading up on the bus, this kid loads up on the bus and goes home and had resisted the challenge of God's word all week long. And to this day, my heart breaks. Thinking what could have happened if someone got to him before it got there before it got to that point in his life. No, spiritual change is sourced in the work of Christ. It is Christ who does the work. And I could give illustrations. I know Phil has probably heard plenty of these stories from his own children. As they've worked at the wilds, seems like, for their entire life at this point. And Casey just wants to live there. But it's God who does that work. And I had to rest in that, that maybe all the things that God was giving that kid all week long, maybe not at this point, maybe, he's not, maybe he is living for the Lord. I don't know. See, spiritual change is made, a rea- is made a reality with the renewing of the mind. We see that in Colossians 3.10. And have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Spiritual change is maintained with a heavenly Christ and focus. And if you want these notes, I know I'm going kind of fast this evening. But spiritual change is maintained with a heavenly Christ focus. Galatians 5.16 Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Matthew 22.37 You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So we are to strive for biblical change. When we are getting together with someone, it's not for the purpose of feeling good. It's, it's, you sit down with them. The purpose is to help them change spiritually. Have a plan. Have a plan. That means sitting down with this person and, 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 and listening. And we'll get to that point in a minute. But have a plan. Are they saved? Are they unsaved? Get their salvation story. Get their family history. This is where kind of you collect data.
Find out what their religious background is. You know, a couple questions that I would always ask the teenagers would be, what's your relationship like with your dad? Or what's your relationship like with your, your mom? What kind of activity do you have? And I would always ask non-yes and no questions. Because as you hear them speaking and they're telling their story, you can be in your mind learning. This is a wonderful thing to challenge. I would challenge you even if you're just having, maybe it's not counseling, you're just sharing your devotional life with one another and, and go through the practice of listening and, and starting to formulate a plan based on what you're hearing. Maybe it's a problem with morality. Maybe it's anger or bitterness. And we see in Scripture, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not, let the, do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Ephesians 4, 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. These are all possible areas of struggle. Worldliness, Titus 2, 11 and 12, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. And these are verses that we can use to bring up and discuss these struggles that, that someone might be having in their life. Fear of man, Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. And so as, as, as we are formulating a plan we need to be prepared with Scripture to provide hope. Map out whatever struggles that they're dealing with. Go and, and map out a plan of, of Scripture. Okay, here's, here's the Scripture that we're going to go in a, and approach and, and approach that Scripture with that individual. Make the Word of God the authority of any counsel you give someone. Don't get caught into giving your opinion as the authority of the counsel you're giving. Make sure that it's God's word that is the authority. It makes it a lot easier when they resist your counsel. <laughs> it makes it, it's still not easy, but it makes it easier because they're resisting God's word and his authority and not just something that you said. There's hope for the believer in Romans 8, 1 through 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We see the, the armor of God and, and we see the battle that takes place, but God has given us tools to, to, to fight the battle, Ephesians chapter 6. And so we see that we're to strive for biblical change, we're to have a plan and set up even a plan for them to go through and, and, and together you go through a something. Then here's where the data really comes into play Know your counselee. Know the person you're working with. Here's, here's some suggestions as far as like physical data. What are their sleep patterns like? We all know that when you have the less sleep you have, the more dangerous you are to fall into sin. The more fatigued you are mentally, the more there is an opportunity, more times than not, for you to fall into sin. Exercise. You say, what? <laughs> and this is even, and even secularists would say that exercise helps reduce stress and anxiety. I actually believe them. It's not going to fix the problem, 
But exercise does help. Find out what their exercise habits are. Illness. What's it, what are, what are, what is their life like? Medications. Are they on any medications? Because it, some can cause physiological and attitude changes, and it's going to help you understand and work with them. You don't have to understand all of the medical stuff with them, but it does help to know is there something that they're on. Then resources. What resources are available for that person you're helping? What resources are available to hinder them? And then ask questions regarding resources that affect the spiritual life. Maybe even give them spiritual resources. What are their emotions like? What are, in other words, uh, one person put it this way, put up spiritual smoke detectors that help warn of the primary problem. Use scripture and give them scripture that help to point out and get to know or even pull out verses as you're talking through things and, and gathering this data and, as you, and ask God for wisdom on, okay, if you're hearing something, pull out a verse that would maybe go that direction with something and how they respond and they're like, oh yeah. Remember, I was a teenager took me out to eat and they're asking me about a certain situation. I just kept asking questions because a question softens the will, but an accusation hardens the heart. A question softens the will, but an accusation hardens the heart. And I remember asking him, he was asking me all these questions, and some of them were pointless questions. But I turned around and I asked him, I think it had to do with, with church and worship and all these things. And I eventually asked him a certain question. I don't remember the exact question I asked him. He gave me an answer and then he asked me another question. I was like, you just answered your own question. <laughs> Sometimes, if we are asking God for wisdom, we can come up and we'll, the scripture will help them come to the own, their own conclusion that is the right conclusion. What are their actions like? What are their thoughts and desires what is the circumstances of their life, both present and past? See, when counseling someone, with someone and assisting them in their spiritual growth, it is of highest importance that you strive for the biblical change because only biblical change is lasting. And then the, th- the fourth thing here is learn to listen. I think this is the hardest one out of all five of these. Learn to listen. And I will say that God has helped teach me, and I'm still not very good. I feel like many times I'm not very good at it. Even as a pastor, this is one thing that God is constantly working on me at. Learning to listen. And so if I'm ever, you're ever asking me a question about something, and I give an answer before you finish your answer, I apologize ahead of time. But I find myself wanting to jump and give the biblical counsel, the biblical advice. And a lot of times it's been wrong because I haven't heard the whole thing. Because if you don't learn to listen, how are you going to gather that data, interpret that data? How are you going to find the, and, and find the biblical insight of helping 
with the problems that are in their life and making sure that you're as close as possible and as accurate because we can only counsel based on the information that's given to us. But learning to listen, what a wonderful tool that is. And I don't know about you, but when you have gone to somebody and they are good listeners, isn't it encouraging? And a lot of times they have really good input after the fact. And then the fifth is give counsel. The word translated counsel is related to the verb to steer a ship. Warren Wearsby said this. He said, counsel is wise guidance that moves one's life in the right direction. See, counsel is just simply giving biblical advice, biblical counsel to another brother or sister in Christ. And so it's important that as we are giving counsel that we recognize the problem. What is the idol of their heart? What is it that's capturing their heart? What is the, the root problem? Try to really work hard and ask God to give you wisdom and getting to the root problem of that person's life. I don't know how many times with teenagers you ask them, so what God, what, what are you challenged with? And they'll say, I need to read my devotions more. That's one of the most common camp decisions ever made. And praise the Lord, if God's challenging them to have their devotions more, they need to have their devotions more. But I would contend that more times than not, that's not the root problem in their life. It can be. But there's probably something a little bit deeper than just not reading your Bible. What, it, what sin in your life is keeping you from reading your Bible? Where you don't want to look into the perfect law of liberty, into the mirror of God's word. Look for the symptoms. It help, when you look for the symptoms and the source, and then eventually the source, is it the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh? What kind of soil is that person living in? Do they have a wrong view of God? Is there a love of self greater than the love of God? And then you t- help them as you're giving counsel. You help them recognize their problem, then you help them repent of that sin. As they recognize that problem, you lead them and say, okay, you need to make it right. We need to repent of our sin and may keep a right relationship with God. And then you help them realize their position in Christ and encourage them with that and help them then renew that relationship. I know I went through a lot of information this evening. But I think it's important, the big idea for us this evening is simply that we need to be encouraging and insisting others to grow in their relationship with God. Coming alongside one another and helping one another through their spiritual struggles. Because we all have them. We all have them. So the encouragement for us tonight is simply that we would do just that. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for who you are. I praise you for your wonderful name. Lord, I pray that we would have this mindset towards one another. That we would look to 
coming alongside, encouraging, and assisting one another in our spiritual growth. And when we see one possibly struggling spiritually, that Lord will come alongside them. We won't let them go by the wayside. That we ourselves would be willing to be approached and, and, and challenged spiritually, even ourselves. Because oftentimes our sin struggles, as we even saw this morning, we can become blind to them. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that is constantly seeking to counsel one another, to disciple one another. So we thank you and we praise you for who you are. In your name we pray, amen.